Well, hello there, lovelies, and welcome back to another episode of the Realm of Unknown. I know there's been another little pause in the uploads, and I apologize for that, but unfortunately, as you've noticed through the previous episodes, I am currently in the full swing of senior year here at college, and uh, things are kind of ramping up. I technically end this coming Tuesday, and then graduation is... Uh, on May 9th and May 10th. So yeah, I mean, things are just crazy right now. And honestly, it's kind of surreal to think about the fact that I've been here for four years now. And, you know, you're just just wrapping up and you just got to move on to the next chapter of your life. So it's definitely a crazy busy time. And uh, things have been a little hectic and a little overboard when it comes to... um, you know, just everything in general. Uh, classes have been kind of crazy, and um, especially when it comes to my uh, graphic design courses. I technically, uh, this past Tuesday at the time of recording, have finished my thesis project. And as of right now, I am just finishing up final touches for my portfolio. I'm getting some mock-ups finished, and I'm putting together a small little PDF for presentations for both tomorrow and for the uh, Tuesday that I mentioned for when the official end date is. So we'll see how that goes, and um, I've definitely got a lot of work ahead of me, and as of right now, I'm recording these podcast segments. As of right now, I'm recording these podcast segments a little bit out of uh, sync with one another. They're going to be a little uh, spaced out across the next few days as I have free time to record them and uh, get them uploaded. I ha- It's weird. I know the upload schedule's been kind of weird. I have episodes that I just need to like finish editing and then get out there. I don't know why I keep sitting on them and then recording new ones because it's just not convenient, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but I mean, the system's working okay for now, and you guys still seem to come back and listen to a few episodes here and there. And um, but yeah, I mean, that's basically it for the update from my end of the uh spectrum. I guess I don't know the correct word for that because I'm talking to a mass crowd, and uh, I don't see any of you guys, and you don't see me, so we'll see. Um, and I mean, basically, what I want to talk about is for this upcoming uh, few series is more uh, personal experience type stuff. And the main focus is going to be, at least for this episode and possibly the next episode, uh, Laurel Hill Cemetery here in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, which is an amazing location, honestly, if you've not been there before. And if you've not like visited the city of Philly at any point it's a little bit out of the way from the main little hub of the city, so it's definitely a stretch that if you want to visit and you are here in the fall, it's like a must-see. But otherwise, if you don't see it, it's it's not a big miss, but it's definitely an interesting thing if you're into this sort of stuff and you're into some more unique locations while visiting a city on you know vacation or just like a trip and you have some free time for a day. Uh, So I'm going to be talking about Laurel Hill this week or next week again. And um, on top of that, I also want I recently went on a trip down to Annapolis, Maryland. 
while also visiting a really, really cool town that uh, my parents were there and introduced me to it because uh, we were going down there for Easter uh, called St. Michael's. And I want to do a small little video both on St. Michael's and some of the potential stories surrounding that location as well as Annapolis, Maryland, because both are really, really old, and it's essentially like the equivalent of Philadelphia and places like Germantown, like up here, like very old, old sections of the city and um, small little rural towns that are not along the outskirts, but are in some cases, especially in St. Michael's, uh, they're a little bit out of the way. So I guess it's more akin to maybe like Lancaster for us up here. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I, I just want to talk about those things. I want to talk about some more personal places that I've been to. I have a old mental uh, hospital that I went to when I was really young and it was uh, abandoned at that point and is now currently not there. And I want to talk about that. So I've got a few things lined up. I've got a battleship that I... I've got a battleship that I uh, stayed over back a few, uh, several years ago. I think I was at least like 10 or something at that point. Uh, and I was there with my dad and we were there for Boy Scouts. And I recently went back to visit it during a paranormal investigation. And uh, I just want to talk about that as well. So those will be the next few episodes that I'll be discussing. The rest are kind of just small little interesting topics that I either am a huge fan of or just interested in. Or they're just little small suggestions that I found either on the YouTube page or just through comments on Twitter and Instagram. Speaking of which, those two I'm trying to get more active on. Twitter is still definitely the biggest one if you want to catch me and maybe send some suggestions my way or comment on a previous episode. That is the best place to catch me up on and uh, the best place to listen to me is probably either Spotify or Apple iTunes. I record this on Anchor, so if you guys want to check it out, definitely do. It's probably the simplest and most free way to listen to me, but uh, I personally enjoy listening to podcasts on iTunes, so that's just my little preference there. And I'm rambling on because you guys are definitely not here to listen to me just talk about my own little personal views. Uh, you're here to listen about ghost stories and spooky little mishaps. So today, without further ado, I shall introduce you guys and take a deep dive into the world and the fantastical location that is known as Laurel Hill Cemetery here in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Okay, and we are back. Uh, real quick, this is technically recorded on a different session uh, than the first little beginning portion of this uh, episode, and... I do apologize. You will most likely hear background noise. I trying, I'm trying my best to muffle it out as best I can. However, it is currently raining as it has been for the past several days and will continue, which stinks. Uh, I'm also in the city, which is another just blatant way of background noise. And as you can hear from the last episode, there is a train uh, station as it's going by right now. Uh, about maybe 10 yards away from my window. Uh, it's very, very close by. Um, maybe even closer. I don't even know. I can't measure. Uh, but that's just a quick little forewarning uh, as we step into today's topic, which is the Laurel Hill Cemetery. 
So if anyone who's not familiar with this cemetery, mainly anyone, I guess, who's not, I guess, into this topic or uh, knows about historical landmarks around Philadelphia, uh, Laurel Hill is a historical cemetery here in Philadelphia. It was founded back in 1836, and it's actually the second major garden um, or rural cemetery uh, created in the United States. In 1998, it was uh, officially designated as a historical landmark, which very, very, very few cemeteries receive uh, this title, and it's just uh, another little esteem that this cemetery gets. Um, I think I mentioned it in the last session uh, for the first clip that this place is just beautiful. I know it's a cemetery and all, and it's like death and all that type of stuff, but it's just such a beautiful place, um, and it's so huge, you could just walk around for a while and just take it in. It's got a lot of uh, very unique land, uh, headstones and unique mausoleums throughout it. And uh, as we go through this, I'm going to try my best to talk about both like the location and the ghost stories. Uh, it's a little hard because there's not a whole lot written about this place not like in a historical aspect but more so in the ghost uh aspect and the last time i went on the tour with the group uh for an investigation was in november so i'm going to try to mix some of my own personal stuff into there as well uh but i won't remember all the details so i apologize i should have probably written more down uh back in november but it was a busy time and uh i was not thinking that far ahead so Essentially what Laurel Hill uh, Cemetery is, it was created back again in 1836, way back, uh, by John J. Smith, a actual librarian and editor, uh, and he had a lot of interest and investments in the urban culture and real estate uh, divisions within Philadelphia, and uh, he was sort of disgraced in a way, um, in in the way that like his... Uh, daughter sort of wasn't handled with uh some philadelphia churchyards so he was kind of fed up with that and he sort of wanted there to be a better way uh to both promote citizenly burials along with creating a rural garden within philadelphia so he found this little plot of land about five miles north of the main city itself i think tech technically nowadays it's still within the city or the city county um but back then, it was the city was not as large as it is uh, today, uh, and what was considered the city uh, borders was much more refined uh, to the more like central uh, location that it is. And essentially, so John purchased this land and he essentially created it into an expansion of what it is today, and it is now a cemetery. And I don't know. To be fair, I don't know entirely all what he went through to just be like i'm just gonna make a cemetery all i can figure out is that his daughter was not handled properly during burial and he guess just didn't approve of how she was just kind of left and like buried in like more public settings so we created a more elegant one and i guess that's how it started it's a little moggy in a way but i i I, I can see where he's coming from in some regards. Um, but the cemetery, he with the cemetery, he brought in a designer by the name of uh, John Notman. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It's either Notman or 
it's literally just not the word not and man so i'm just gonna say not man uh so the two johns uh came together and laurel hill was introduced to a new uh landscape idea that they brought about and uh, a lot of new burial concepts that were kind of revolutionary in a way at the time and uh, it became a model of what rural cemeteries uh would become uh since this point on uh, the cemetery was developed and completed between, again, 1836 and 1839 to increase its uh, sort of product of bodies. I, I don't know the proper way of, um, I don't know the proper term for the, co- I guess, collection is the is a way to say it. But uh, the residents of the cemetery, to, in order to improve it, uh, the cemetery organizers they kind of brought in a lot of revolutionary war figures and moved them from other cemeteries and other locations to Laurel Hill. So this includes some con- uh, Continental Congress Secretary Charles Thompson and Declaration of Independence signer Thomas McKean, Philadelphia war veteran and, and shipbuilder, uh, oh God, I can't pronounce the name, uh, Jehu Iri, I don't know if it's G... <laughs> it's j-e-h-u and then his last name is e-y-r-e so janu i i don't know uh and hugh mercer hero of the battle of potomac david uh david gosh i should know how to pronounce this right away but it's Rittenhouse. I don't know why I stuttered on that and put an H in the beginning. But it's David Rittenhouse. Uh, he is the first director of the U.S. Mint as well. So a lot of really famous people. A lot of, or at least at the time, uh, well-known figures and more historical uh, individuals were brought over to Laurel Hill Cemetery in order to just kind of like boost its prestige in a way. I'm not... Okay, I understand nowadays going back to visit more historical landmarks and um, burial sites. I'm not sure the thought pattern back in the day of, uh, you know, taking old bodies and putting them into a more public, into another public cemetery. I'm not sure how that really came about, but they got them and they relocated them to Laurel Hill. I don't think I've actually visited any of these grave sites for these people um, on the ghost investigation tours. I guess there aren't any real ghost stories surrounding them, so it was kind of avoided. But we'll get into some of the places that I went to um, and talk about some of the experiences that I had. Uh, but just it's kind of like a recap right now of just how it's been established. And just where it's coming from in like a design and landscape setup and just sort of how it became what it is today. Uh, the architecture styles that it does utilize is a lot of uh, exotic revivals involving gothic and classic um, just feels. It also has a lot of uh, influence from Egyptian, uh, so to speak. It has a lot of marbles and granite. Uh, a lot of the the statues and tombs also have a lot of cast iron and sandstone, and this just is kind of another draw and appeal to the cemetery itself, having a very rich and like mixed history, and styles and influences, and sort of just being another reference to how sort of Philadelphia stands as it is as a major city and sort of 
especially at that time, like a major port area uh, within America and just kind of like a pseudo melting pot location for a lot of different cultures and peoples. So it's kind of emulated in a way with the art and the styles that are seen here in the cemetery itself. And uh, today, Laurel Hill stands as a rich uh, representation of both art and uh, historical uh, locations and artifacts. The monuments and uh, rich designs, craftsmanships are just major icons of both the 19th and 20th century America and uh, the funeral art that surrounds it. Again, there are some really, really amazing sculptures and uh, mausoleums and just really unique tombs and uh, landmarkers that I have not seen visiting other locations and uh, being in other cemeteries. I would definitely say that Laurel Hill stands out from any and all that I've seen, especially more recent ones, uh, like founding-wise, um, where I have like family members and stuff. They're very uh, cookie-cutter in a way, especially since it's very expensive for burials. Uh, but back in the day, these are a lot of rich people, um, so they have very ornate and very unique uh, tombstones, uh, headstones, and all that type of stuff. I'm rambling again. I don't know why. I uh, I have a new format for how I'm going about with all these recordings. I Before, I did a lot of recording when it came to like scripts and... Uh, it was just a lot of trial and error and then editing and then going back and then editing. And now I'm kind of just, I have like notes and I have tabs and I have articles that I'm reading through and I kind of like it. I just kind of like, it's sort of just like having experience and talking. So I'm going to go through that. I apologize if anyone does not approve. Uh, you can skip through, I suppose. I'm trying to find the one tab. Okay. So I want to talk about some of the more, I guess, unique individuals and tombs um, pertaining to Laurel Hill Cemetery and potentially some of the haunted locations. Again, there's not a whole lot of stories pertaining to the actual haunting and events that you'll have there. Uh, I'm going to try to do a quick rundown of what I can remember from that. But a lot of the main figures that I'm going to talk about uh, are in some relation, um, linked to some of the hauntings and uh, paranormal experiences that you could see within Laurel Hill. So first off, without further ado, I'm going to talk about Martha Brennan. So Martha Brennan, uh, she is the daughter of Laurel Hill's caretaker uh, back in 1903. And at 39, she was an unmarried spinster and tended to be a little... She was very shy, she was very timid, uh, more of an introvert in a way. And on Sunday morning in November, she was seen heading towards a little hill train station, which used to be located up on the north side of the cemetery. I don't believe it's there anymore, from what I can remember. I don't think a train really passes through that spot. Uh, but later, she was seen walking alone on uh, along Kelly Drive, which is a street over in that area. I believe it's the street in the front entrance. Uh, she didn't speak to anyone, let anyone know what she was doing, yada, yada. She was, again, very quiet. However, this was the last time that she was ever seen alive. On March of 1904, a fisherman discovered a headless body floating in an ice drift in the Delaware Bay. 
Martha's brother and aunt traveled to New Jersey to identify the body and confirmed that it was Martha by the dress that she wore. Her remains were buried on the grounds here in Laurel Hill with no marker as her family was too poor to afford one. So I guess in a way we're starting off with the sort of true crime. Um, From what I can remember from the tours and investigations that we went on and some information that the guides gave us, they like this is very much unsolved from what i can remember they don't know how she died uh the schuylkill river i believe i think that's the river that goes runs by that run by it um it's very close you can actually see it from the uh sort of like the northwest side of the cemetery you can see it from like the the top so it's it is reasonable that somehow her body ended up in that location and then again traveled down stream until it reached um until it reached the Delaware Bay. So it's plausible how she ended up there. No one really knows or knows how it happened. Uh was she attacked? Was this some accident near the river she was walking near? Is this like a suicide attempt? No one knows. Why was she headless? Uh, I mean, potentially it was either post-mortem or happened, you know, while she was in the river somehow. She just was decapitated. I believe there are stories of that happening. Um, I don't I don't know too many when it comes to the head being dislocated. Uh, but I guess if you are decaying, things can just kind of pop off. So, um, yeah. Uh, so... That's Martha. She's, again, the caretaker's daughter at that time. Sorry, the window was very breezy at the moment, and uh, I'm trying to close that up. Uh, so, from what I can remember from this location, uh, the from Martha's grave, she is buried technically in, like, a mass area. Uh, there's a lot of like markers. There's a lot of names and burials related to one marker. Uh, all the Brennans are buried together, as well as the Welsh, Burns, and a few O'Connors. And this dates anywhere from the mid 1800s until the early 1900s. So there's a lot there. And from what I can remember, I believe that there are some ghost stories relating to Martha herself. Um, from what I can surmise it's more or less just like whispers and like very faint voices i don't believe anyone's really seen like disembodied head apparitions and stuff like that it's very subtle a lot of them around the cemetery is very subtle uh but especially in relation to martha i believe she is the prime i guess spirit or potential entity that people uh think maybe around this location of the cemetery I don't have a map pulled up, um, but if you go to the cemetery, from what I can remember, southbound train's going by right now, uh, Martha and the Brennan gravesite and grave marker are a bit more towards the north end of the cemetery, like northeast side. Uh, So if you hug along, I believe it's there. There's a section marker once you enter the cemetery itself. So it is very easy to navigate around. Again, it's very big. So if you are able to visit there, if you hug the east wall as you enter in, you should be able to find this grave marker. It's underneath a uh, 
it's underneath a very large tree from what I can remember. Um, again, we went, we all, I was always here at night for the most part. So, uh, trying to remember how it might be in the daytime is a little hard, uh, off the top of my head. So I'm going to move on, uh, because this next one's sort of interesting. I don't believe there's any real stories of paranormal stuff relating to this person. Uh, but there is some unique, just sort of supernatural things, uh, I guess in a way. And we have, uh, Catherine Drinkhouse Smith. I don't know why her name's Drinkhouse, but there you go. Uh, so if you have, if you come into this location, uh, Laurel Hill, this one is actually very easy to find. If you enter in, uh, the gates and you go to the left and you head south, it's one of like the first markers that you'll see on that pathway. It's a very, very tall, like hexagonal shaped monument that has a lot of writing up and down the sides of every single like at all six sides of it. Uh, and it stands at about like eight or nine feet tall. It's very big, uh, but it's right there on the path. And it's one of the first things that you'll see again if you head down south, uh, which is actually across from uh, where Adrian uh, Balboa is technically buried uh, within the cemetery. And uh, it's, stri- it's, again, striking as uh, you'll see a lot of unusual words written on it. And uh, you'll look at the final resting place of where Drinkhouse Smith and her family is uh, buried. It's a, again, rather remarkable monument because it offers a kind of detail that's rarely seen within grave markers. It has the street addresses of, like, all the people dead. It has, like, their favorite quotes, their religious affiliations, and uh, the exact time, like, the exact time uh in which each person on the monument uh died like it it is down to like minutes on there it's very it's very odd again it's very unique uh but all six members have that and uh it's it's something that makes it stand out and uh yet the most interesting thing that a lot of people kind of i guess gravitate towards is the fact that catherine uh at least catherine I'm not sure if there's a whole lot of details from what it seems as though they don't know if her entire family has this. Uh, But from what they can sort of surmise, at least Catherine and a good portion of them uh, all were uh, spiritualists during their life. And uh, spiritualism uh, during this time, particularly in the late uh, 1890s, was like at an all-time high. It was a a very popular religious uh, practice and a belief system in which people believe that they could continue on after being dead and live as spirits and the whole idea of the afterlife kind of expanded uh during this era and uh they believe that there's some sort of way to communicate to the dead uh obviously if you're a paranormal researcher and you're into this stuff and you're obviously sort of are if you're listening to this podcast uh, a lot of seances were used during this time, and this was also sort of a rise of people sort of kind of believing in a way of uh, mediums and more spiritual individuals in order to have conversations. And according to the monument, and I'm not sure if there's any other documentation pertaining to this, but according to the monument, Catherine also allegedly was a medium herself. So given Catherine's strongly held beliefs in an ongoing spiritual life, 
it would seem as though there might be some potential that she'd be interested in communicating to now live individuals from the other side. So if you do go on these ghost investigations of the cemetery, uh, this monument is definitely one of the key ones that you want to check out. It is definitely one that we went and checked out the first time I was there back in 2017, I believe. And we did spend some time uh, hanging out around that location. I personally didn't feel a whole lot um, at the spot. Uh, I will talk about some of the other locations, but this specific one, I didn't really get any vibes from. It was just kind of there. Again, it was interesting, but I don't, I didn't really, I didn't really feel too much during the investigation uh, with this location. It was very just sort of bland. Um, I didn't get any like feelings. Uh, we didn't get any EVPs from there from both times that we went because I, I, communicated with the other group during 2018 because i didn't go to that one uh but i mean it was, again it's interesting and you definitely want to check it out and i don't know maybe perhaps Catherine will talk to you if you happen to hop by so i'm going to move on and then i'm going to probably take a short break and then move on to the other ones because i believe we have about like three or four more people to talk about and uh next up we have uh maurice Fagan. So Maurice uh, died on February 4th, 1899. And uh, if you don't believe in ghosts uh, that... Okay, let me reword this. If you believe in ghosts that don't necessarily haunt the place that they were buried, um, you may prefer that they be around the place that they died. And it's it's kind of... It's kind of like a grab all in a way, especially with Mercer here, uh, because if you believe where that, if you believe that, you know, the cemetery is a place that could be haunted, then you kind of are right. And then if you also believe that, you know, where they died uh, is where they haunt, you'd kind of be right, um, because Mercer Fegan uh, sort of falls into both categories. Um, after serving in the Civil War and being honored twice for uh, his services and contact uh, and during the conflict, um, Mercer was plagued with a horrible pain in his head, and doctors at the time diagnosed him with a very vague illness, uh, just very off the shelf. Like you know, you know, back in the day, uh, doctors and medicine were not very up to par with uh, a lot of the medical treatment that they should be. And uh, today, some wonder if he may have been struck in with migraines or perhaps some form of PTSD. Either way, he was in a lot of pain, a lot of intense pain, and uh, it drove Fagan and his family to a... It, it sort of drove them away. And despite seamlessly getting his life back together on, and getting it back on track after his military service... Fagan continued to be tormented with this pain just throughout his life. He he was not getting treatment. There was no real cure, I guess, at the time. And uh, again, he was misdiagnosed in a lot of ways. So he was just going through his life just very miserable. And uh, this is when he realized that no medical intervention was helping. He sought to take matters into his own hands. Uh, in a letter to his younger sister, he explained that he would soon rest among 
their departed family members at Laurel Hill Cemetery. Sadly, he was right. Maurice went to his family plot, which is located in the northeast section of the Laurel Hill Cemetery, and uh, he ended his life with a gunshot to the head, likely an attempt to put an end to the pain once and for all. So Mercer, he is, he is a location, again, that you'll go on during these tours, and he's, oddly enough, very close in location to where Martha and her family plot is. I believe they're just a, he's just a little bit further north. And uh, again, he very much fits like all the check marks when it comes to a haunted location and just paranormal experience, like a potential one. Uh, he had a very traumatic life. He had a lot of pain. It was a very intense and a uh, very significant death. He committed suicide. And um, he did it at his family grave, which he was then buried like underneath where he killed himself so it, it just fits all these check boxes and again we went there during the investigation and we had an evp session here as well i don't believe we got any response from what i can remember i'd have to go back and check some of the uh, recordings from what i can remember the second group that went here back in 2018 because we took different paths i believe they may have had something happened here i don't believe it was an evp but i believe someone did hear what they could what they believed at the time to be whispers i would have to reach out to the group and like get the full story because again this was all through passing uh we aren't we don't technically catalog all the evidence that we get uh just because like there's so many of us and there's like hours worth of it um so they do they did potentially hear something. Mercer again is sort of like the most possible ghost haunting within all of the cemetery from what I can understand. Uh his story definitely relates best with an investigation and a potentially haunted location. So again, if you are there and you are taking the tour, uh they will most likely take you here depending on who you get for the tour guide. And if not, then if you want to check them out, just ask to go on that side. And if you're able to go there on your own, that again, he's up in the northeast section, uh, just a little bit uh, more north from Martha Brennan and her family plot. Uh, a lot of these stories and a lot of the evidence that I'm going to talk about is definitely on that side of the cemetery. Uh, and then the second half, I'm going to talk about the second time that I went to the cemetery and had a bit more personal experiences, and I don't mean like 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 heavy things, nothing like extreme in any way. But the cemetery was definitely a bit more, I guess, active from what I can understand. Uh, and we did go on a different uh, route that took us more into like the deeper section of the cemetery, which was interesting. Uh, but the first time we did, we we definitely hugged the 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 street walls of the cemetery the first time and again we went to all these grave sites which you can go on and they're definitely very unique and um i'm rambling again because you guys don't want to listen to that you want to listen to the stories and uh history of this place so i'm gonna take again a quick break grab some water and stuff and then we're going to talk about uh we're going to talk about henrietta greta so i'll see you then 
Okie doke, guys. So we are back uh, after a little pause on my end. And we're going to be continuing on with some of the stories in relation to Laurel Hill and just some of the more, I guess, famous people or stories and um, like things that are related to potential spirits there on the location itself. Now, there's no 100% proof with any of these, obviously, because like any location, but here particularly uh, because, again, stated earlier in this uh, whole podcast itself, there's no solid real recordings uh, of, like, evidence and just stories of people's experiences that I can find both on the internet and on blogs and just other sources that I've been combing through through this time. It's unfortunate, especially since this location is just so fun and so unique in so many ways. But I feel like these stories are still very adequate in their way of uh, sort of shaping the narrative and sort of giving you an idea of what potential you could sort of see in some of these ghost stories and some of the potential spirits that are living there. So I'm rambling and I'm going to continue on with our list of, I guess, hosts that are currently living there. And uh, with that, we are going to be talking about Henrietta Garrett. So Henrietta was a uh, young and relatively poor woman. Uh, She was caught, uh, well, let me, let me, recap this so she's a very poor individual and she caught the eye of a very rich individual here in the philadelphia area by the name of walter garrett he owned a snuff tobacco company and a was at that time uh it gave him a lot of wealth and uh amassed a very large uh profit so the two married and uh by all accounts, they were very happy, and it was a very good couple, very good marriage, until Walter died, and that happiness sort of shifted and became uh, turmoil. So in his will, Walter left the $6 million of his name and the estate in Harriet's name, and we may not, we, ne- we may never actually know why uh, Harriet didn't make a complete um, will of her own at the time of her death, but by the time that she did die, about roughly 30 years after her husband, uh, she had only accounted a very small percentage of what would then, at current time, amount to about $17 million of fortune due to the company and due to the assets that she acquired from her husband. So she got a lot of profit, but she never really passed it on, or not at least completely. Harriet had the misfortune of dying in November of 1930, approximately one year after the Great Depression, despite people from all over the world beginning to, like, you know, climb back up and uh, slowly get their lives back together, uh, and claiming some kind of... uh, At this time, there was still a lot of turmoil, and a lot of people were still very much desperate and still trying to get a grasp of everything, And a lot of people came forward claiming to have some sort of relationship to Harriet, either being through family, being a friend, or just being a long-lost relative of some sort. And in this effort, they were trying to claim some sort of inheritance on her end. Uh, In the end, about... (laughs) This is a lot. In the end, about 26,000 people had come forth with some sort of story one way or the other. 
and uh, eventually a special court had to be put together just to get through all these hearings. However, uh, one way or another, a rumor got out that Harriet had been buried with her will and with that, you know, the key to the wealth. This sparked a very public outcry calling for her ex, uh, for people to exhume her tomb. And Laurel Hill uh, felt a lot of pressure for this. And they put a 24-hour guard, an armed guard, around her grave so that nobody uh, tried to dig her up themselves. And you can actually see a poster. I'll probably link to this either on Instagram or Twitter so you guys can see it. There is a photo of this guard just chilling there right next to Harriet's tomb, or grave in this case. And uh, it's just very bizarre and just like, oh, this is my job. Uh, eventually, Harriet was uh, exhumed at a later date, and the entire process was photographed and filmed so that lawyers and uh, other individuals could very much prove that the will was either there or not there when they f- finally exhumed her body. It wasn't. So after the media, a large circus, uh, and all that like just legal issues and, and tornado effects... It lasted for about 20 years, and it was determined that two of Harriet's cousins would get $2 million. The rest of the money went elsewhere, and legal hearings uh, from all the courts and stuff just sort of wrapped up in, uh, in, a, in a tight but somewhat loose bow. It's, it's very weird. It's a very bizarre story, uh, but a lot of that money just kind of poof, just went elsewhere. I'm assuming it went to more public stuff from what I can understand, but... A lot of these stories don't go into a whole lot of detail on that. Now, apparently, in some of these uh, accounts, um, if you are interested in the paranormal and you are interested in this sort of stuff, the removal of someone from their grave and the place in which they are buried is not exactly the most, you know, positive thing to do for a spirit or just anyone, I guess, in general. But if you are into this whole community and just understanding of things that, you know, this could be a potential way for a spirit to come back, for some more unfinished business to kind of uh, stir up. And all this like drama and and, like chaos and confusion and sadness, both towards the end of uh, Harriet's life and then after her life, uh, just, you know, it's going to be a melting pot of more just issues and emotion and stress so potentially, potentially, because again, there are really no major stories in relations to paranormal stuff, you know, this could potentially stir up a spirit of sorts. From what I can understand that Harriet isn't exactly, you know, she had no relation to anyone after the fact, so there is really no cause for her to get all riled up. Hopefully she isn't like at peace. Hopefully this did not affect her in any way. Uh, but as we're going to talk about with the next person, not everyone got off all, got, they didn't exactly get off well, as as well, I should say, as Harriet, uh, because the next person that I want to talk about, someone who I actually, uh, we did, I believe we did an EVP session out by his tomb. Uh, it's actually probably one of the more interesting locations on the cemetery, in my opinion, if I were to go back there again, I would definitely swing by this spot because I've only been here once. It's sort of like on a ledge carved into a hill type thing. It's on one of the pathways in the middle. 
So there's a lot of layers and a lot of different like levels and paths and just really beautiful mausoleums and just it's just a really cool spot. Uh, but this individual that we will be talking about today is Dr. Earlwood Kirby, a guy who looks like a mix of the Pringles man and uh, Teddy Roosevelt. I don't know why, but he just does. I don't I don't know why I'm looking at his photo right now. I will post that on Twitter as well. But uh, Dr. Elwood Kirby. So Kirby is another potential spirit that possibly didn't have the chance to stay at rest or at peace as long as he could have. So Elwood Kirby made his living both treating and practicing medicine. He was a doctor. He assumed a great deal of wealth during his life. Uh, which made him both a very wealthy and very charitable man during his uh, during his relatively long life. He grew to be a somewhat old man. And he was also known to offer medical care to the elite of Philadelphia, but also on the side, uh, a lot of pro bono work, no charge uh, to individuals. But, you know, again, still sort of remaining to the elite. Uh, it, pro bono is pro bono, but, you know... It'd be nice if it was for other individuals. So ironically enough, he uh, he did die in his sleep from a heart attack on Christmas night of all nights in uh, 1935, I believe is the exact date. I don't think I wrote down the, the year in my notes, but I believe it was 1935 because it was close to when Harriet died. Uh, and left behind a small fortune which was divided amongst his family members and a few favorited charities. He was, uh, uh, he was later buried in his family mausoleum, where he rests silently for, get this, about 10 weeks. So, he, yeah, he, he did not get a long rest like Harriet and all the others. He, he had some drama pretty quick. So a group of vandals got the idea that Kirby had been buried sort of like an Egyptian pharaoh uh, with a lot of his gold and jewels and some of his riches stored away in his grave. Again, he's buried in a family mausoleum, so it's a lot more possible and a little bit easier to break into because you don't have to dig up a grave. So between Kirby and his wealth and the story of Harriet's grave, which at this time was going on, again, she was exhumed later after her death, uh, about, I believe, 20 or did we talk about? 20 or 30 years. I'm just going to scroll back through my notes just to double check so I got this right. Uh, bah, bah, bah. Eventually. Okay, so she, yeah, she, she died in the th- 1930s. And I don't have any notes on when she was exhumed exactly. Uh, oh, okay, about 20 years later. Okay, so, so during this time, Harriet's whole debacle is going on and this other rich individual is buried not too far away from her in the same cemetery. So it's sort of a mixture between the rumors around Kirby's tomb and the stories around Harriet uh, Garrett, which we talked about again. Uh, And it's, you know, very much possible, again, this is all happening right after the Great Depression, that some vandals took this as a potential opportunity. So they waited until the dark of night with very little traffic, and they scaled the cement walls that surround the cemetery. They broke into Kirby's mausoleum and dragged a very heavy casket outside and pried it open. Upon finding absolutely no uh, gems, like no jewelry, no gems, no cash or whatever they thought was in there, uh, they decided to strip the 
corpse of Kirby. So yeah, they they didn't exactly grave rob him. They just kind of robbed him, robbed him. They took all his clothes, which was very odd. Uh, they left him naked, thinking that all the treasure must be within the body. They think it was all on the body, like on him, not within the tomb. Uh, and by the end, all they found was a pair of $10 cufflinks. And uh, that's what they stole. I, I don't think they took the clothing, but they, you know, they, they took the cufflinks and they left everything sprouted about. So Dr. Earl Kirby was taken uh, to a receiving vault, which he was then promptly dressed with new clothing and placed back into a new casket. All before the press had the chance to come in and photograph the scene. So there is no photos of this, uh, unfortunately. It would be kind of cool. I mean, not it's still very horrible and it'd be weird to see the body, but, uh, it would be at least somewhat cool to see like the, the, the scene of it without the body. Cause you know, but from what I can tell during the investigation that we went on, they actually somewhat reenacted the area. Like they potted it out for us and it was a pretty, they, they drug that pretty far from the, 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 the mausoleum, not, not massive distances, but far enough that I would be like, why'd you drag it out all the way here? Just, you know, put it on the floor in the mausoleum and pry it open. Don't put all this effort to bring it out into the open. But they did, and that's what they did. And uh, so, you know, they were able to cover this up. The Well, they didn't cover it up, I should say. I should correct myself. I'm just rambling on because my notes are much more bullet pointy this time around. Uh, but the cemetery was able to get ahead of the story and really, you know, put a shine of makeup on top of the whole incident. So they got ahead of all this before anyone had the choice of, uh, you know, exclusive stories and photographs. If there was anyone who might have a few choice words, however, with his attackers, it might be Dr. Kirby, who apparently during the R investigation and during some of the tours that you can go on at Laurel Hill, uh, Dr. Kirby is apparently one of the spirits that you could potentially run into. He is said to sort of roam around the area of his mausoleum. You can, I don't believe people have technically seen uh, like full apparitions or anything. I don't think there are too many full apparitions here at Laurel Hill. However, there are stories of, you know, seeing shadows, seeing figures of some sort walking around. Out in front of Kirby's mausoleum, there is like a slight uh, cement path that goes through. Again, it's like kind of on a hill. But where his uh, mausoleum is located, there is a direct walking path that you could go on. This is where the, the tomb and the, the casket was laid out, where the vandals were stripping Kirby of his clothing and valuable. And um, this sort of area is definitely where a lot of the reports come in from Kirby himself. Uh, there's a few reports of people walking and, again, figures, but nothing too severe, nothing too extreme. Again, Laurel Hill doesn't have too many major stories in it. Uh, a lot of them are just very run-of-the-mill paranormal things, such as, you know, disembodied voices, disembodied sounds, people, you know, hearing things in the distance, whistling, and, uh, again, figures are a big thing. It's a very dark location. It's, a, again, a very large location. And, you know, there are there is a street that cuts around it. You know, it's the city. It's Philadelphia. So there are streets. But once you get, like, 
not even that far once you get like 10 feet or so from the gates you're going into like darkness you need flashlights while you're here you need some sort of light to guide your path you cannot see very well in this location even on like a very beautiful clear sky you we we needed a lot of flashlights during our investigation and um so yeah those are the stories and i i want to talk about some of the more personal experiences that i've had and some of the reports that we sort of we sort of went through during our investigations i'm going to keep it relatively brief and vague because again i don't know all the details this was one of the investigations was a year back and the other was two years back and i have notes but they're still just so scrambled and i don't have all of them because the entire group is kind of split between like 40 people and uh so i'm going to keep it sort of more personal for this like ending part but I wanted to talk about some of like the major figures because a lot of them, I did visit their graves and I will talk about some of the accounts from there. And I just wanted to get some of the others out there just to sort of give you a feel of the cemetery and give you a feel of what you can kind of expect moving forward. So without further ado, we should get to that because I'm sure you're tired of listening to me talk about history and rambling on. And you want to get to the ghosts. So here we go. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Okay, so... Moving on to the more personal stories and some of the paranormal stuff that we are going to talk about. From what I can understand from the list of people and graves that we've talked about currently on this list and through this episode, a lot of them, from what I can understand, a lot of them I have personally been to either during the first investigation or during on the second one or just, you know, personal trips there. And I think there's just one or two that I may have not gone to. I don't entirely remember going to Harriet's grave. Hers, you know, kind of blends together with a few of the others in the location. About three or four of the ones we've talked about have very similar graves. And for the most part, most of them are located all relatively in the same spot from what I can, uh, you know, guess from my memory and viewing the map of the cemetery itself. A lot of them are sort of in like the northern slash like northeast section of the cemetery. Not a whole lot that dipped down. And so, I mean, obviously, when we went on the investigations, the first time I was up there, we pretty much stuck to that end. And then on the second investigation, I kind of looped around a bit more. So a lot of these stories are just going to kind of be a mix of both of them or both trips, I should say. And I do have audio recordings i don't particularly have too many that i think you know are anything uh because i want to point this out and i believe i talked about it in the very beginning when i was just describing what laurel hill is and where it is so if anyone's gone on a paranormal investigation of any sort you know that you have to or if you if you know and you have a good understanding of this 
you know that you have to go in at some level of skepticism. I know it's going to be hard for anyone who's like a like a firm believer and just like without a doubt has to be this. And even just people who are firm skeptics, you need to you can't sway too far on either side of the spectrum. I know it's hard to do for a lot of people, but I personally found that this is a good way for me to, you know, handle a lot of this stuff. I myself am a very, you know, scientific-based individual, but I have a lot of interest when it comes to these sort of things. So it's a good way for me to blend both of these together, and that translates very well into investigations because, again, you need to have some sort of foot on both ends of the line. And with this, going into the investigation, we all had to account for the fact that we're, we're in the city. I know Laurel Hill is a little bit out of the way, uh, but there is two major, not major, major, but like relatively busy and like two lane to three lane uh, or two lane to four lane type roads that uh, surround it. There's neighborhoods nearby. Again, it's the city. You're going to hear sirens. You're going to hear helicopters. You're going to hear cop cars going by. You're going to hear a lot of things. And especially on the first investigation, because again, on the second one, we went a little deeper into the cemetery. The first one, we kind of stuck towards the end, like the edge of it up in the north section. And during the first one, we definitely had to rule out a lot of times during our recordings, we had to point out that, hey, there's a siren going by. I believe during one of the, uh, I think it was like our third uh, sit-down EVP session, we, we we started and like two minutes in, not close to us, granted, but f- close enough that we could hear it, a car alarm just started going off. And keep in mind, we, we started at seven, I believe. And at this point, I believe it was closer to like 9.30 at night. So there's just a car alarm going off in the distance. Like very like slight in the recording. It's a lot louder in person. But you could definitely hear it and we had to point that out. We're like, all right, there's a car alarm going off, you know. Keep in mind just how you could probably hear a train going off right now in the distance of this recording. Um, I believe it's the southbound by the sound of it. And it's the express line because it didn't do a stop. Uh, But yeah, so a lot of that had to be taken into account. And a lot of that is just a lot of the white noise that you'll hear in the back of recordings that you just have to really... It's hard once you go back and decipher the EVP sessions that we have because, again, we had a lot. And me personally, I especially during the second one, I just let audio run. So I have long swaths of just like noise like us walking us talking just current like just having it run because i didn't have any uh video cameras to really work with so i just let the the recording run the almost the entire time and um so yeah that's sort of how i handled it and that's sort of how most of the group handled it we you know you you're very respectful even if you know you don't believe and even if you don't think there is anything there uh but with the Laurel Hill situation, um, I personally think that there may be something there. I don't know for fact, so don't don't take take everything I say with a grain of salt, please. Um, because I'm not an expert 
at all. I, I Again, I've only been to this location a handful of times. I enjoy every time I went, but I'm not an expert. I'm not in any part of this field. I'm not even an expert in recording podcasts, so believe me when I say that I'm not an expert when it comes to paranormal investigations. Um, but all I can tell you is through my own personal experience and what I and others in the group uh, with me during both times, uh, what we again experienced on these trips and again we went to a lot of the locations that we talked about in the past two little segments that i recorded and i can't fully remember where each recording session took place for each one i know we did a recording session for each one um but the significant ones that i got experiences from were not from what i can tell not from these spots except for from the more recent one that i can remember uh well there's two but the one that actually pertains to the paranormal stuff is uh with the dr kirby's tube so this was during the second investigation and i believe this was towards the end uh it was either towards the like the end of the middle towards like the very end of like wrapping up the investigation it was later in the night around 10 or so and we left, I believe, around a little before 11. And, uh, you know, it, you start the thing off. The We're there with a guide so we don't get lost in the cemetery. And we have, you know, a few minutes of just, uh, you know, just talking about the section. They don't talk about the individual, at least the, the guide we had this time. He, they don't talk about the individual to start uh, the sessions and stuff. They talk about just the spot and just sort of like, you know, the history of this section of the, the uh, cemetery, just to give you like a, a feel. And then we'll do like a session, then we'll just do this. They'll give you like the name. Uh, but after the fact, they'll talk about like how they died, when they died, where they're from. And then we'll do like another second little added on section to the uh, EVP sessions. Which is, you know, just, I guess, par for the course for the most part. And that's kind of the practice that we did for most of the uh, different sessions at different graves slash mausoleums slash tomb, whatever. There's a lot of different spots in this place. And with Dr. Kirby, I it wasn't something that, again, I have a lot of audio I still need to come over, so I don't know. Uh, but from what I can grasp, while sitting at those um, sessions, I guess standing is a better word, but... With him, it was weird. I was talking with one of my team members, and she... I believe she's, like, two years younger than me or so. Uh, we we met during this investigation, and we were talking on the way there, on the way to Dr. Kirby's uh, mausoleum. And we were talking about, you know... I mean, we felt fine, but we didn't feel you know, all together there for some reason. We we couldn't explain it. And we were both, you know, sort of just like walking along. We just kind of like ended up next to one another. Most of the group was ahead of us. There's a few people lingering behind. And we just, you know, we just felt a little off for some reason. We didn't know anything about the, the tomb that we were going to. We didn't know what our next spot was. We were just walking through. And it was a great location too. I love that spot where we were when we were starting to talk. It it should it doesn't give off weird vibes. That's not what we felt. I would say the 
the best way to describe it is we felt very, I guess, drained. And if anyone's, you know, if you've done athletic type stuff, you know what it feels like your body has just had a lot. It didn't feel like that. It didn't feel like physical fatigue. And it didn't feel as though, you know, if you've been very depressed or you've just gone through a lot of hardship, it's it's not like emotional fatigue either. It just felt like, it felt like a mixture of being on like the verge of needing to go to bed mixed with like, I just overloaded on a bunch of information for like a test and like I studied for hours upon hours and hours and my brain is just like give me a moment to breathe it felt like a mix of those but like it still kind of was very unique like it it wasn't like again we weren't tired physically we weren't like in need of anything we had water during the investigation we ate before like it wasn't anything like like normal in a way. And I, I again, I felt this before different spots and I'm going to get into that, especially with Laurel Hill because it comes back into play. But me and this other girl, or me and this girl, um, we both felt this at this time. And then it led into the Kirby uh, EVP session because during that session, I this was one of the ones I didn't partake in because again, the group's very large. We split into like groups of... I believe in the second one, we had about 20 people, and we split into teams of 10, but we also had a guide for each of us, so it was around 11 to 12 per group that split off into different parts of the cemetery, and with our group, you know, it was very active, a lot of people wanted to ask questions, so we spaced them out accordingly, but, you know, not everyone asks, and sometimes you just, you know, decide to sit out and just listen. So that's what I did for the Kirby one, because again, I wasn't really feeling altogether there. And I don't know what it was, but, and this is something that I will, I'll talk about too afterward. this, but it, it wasn't like the sense of being watched, you know, that, that feeling you get. And a lot of, again, a lot of paranormal investigators and people with this community will say like, oh, I felt like I was being watched. I felt like there was someone in the room with me. It wasn't entirely like that, but it didn't feel like it it felt like something was up, but it didn't feel like someone was watching us if that if that makes sense, it just kind of felt like it's it's hard to explain and i'm not I'm not trying to like play this up for anyone because again, I'm not a firm believer and I'm not a firm spec uh skeptic but from what I can understand and from what I've like researched and experienced on my own, I would say I'm personally somewhat, I don't, I don't want to say the word like sensitive because I, I don't know the right word to describe it. I definitely have some sort of wavelength or something uh, when it comes to these sort of things. It's not strong, granted, but it's something there, something just personal about me. I'm, would never go into saying like, oh, I'm a medium, you know, I do, I do stuff. And I'm not making fun of anyone who does that or believes that or is that. I'm just saying for me personally, I don't think, I don't personally subscribe to me being any of these descriptions. But when I go to certain locations like this and even ones that I don't know the history of and I don't know 
for a fact if anyone's you know haunted or had ghost stories here i'll get these weird feelings and i get these weird like heaviness again that that tired sensation that i can't really pinpoint to being a sense of fatigue that i'm used to and then now this which is new because i've had the sensation of being watched before i've had the sensation of feeling as though someone's there at different locations and different points in my life but i've never had this where it just feels like something's not right entirely but it doesn't feel threatening and it doesn't feel like inviting either it's just there and i couldn't really pinpoint it down and it was just the the entire time we were near kirby's tomb before the uh guy that we had went into detail about who kirby was and then we started the second session this was the entire time I, I felt it. It didn't go away afterwards. It didn't start because of this information. It started once we got to that general area, which again is up towards like the northern section. It's kind of carved into the hill. And it was just that sort of like whole little area until we left that I just felt like something wasn't entirely all together. I don't know if that means me. I don't know if that means the spot. I don't know. Because again, I don't subscribe to being an expert in this at any means. And it just was very weird. I, I'm i going to try to comb through all the EVP sessions for these things. And I'm going to be posting them up on Twitter. I wish I had the edited versions that I had in the past um i have the i have all the raw audio it's just some of the edited audio i lost and um by edited i mean like cropped down to the sections in which potential noises are heard and uh there is one that i definitely want to repost and that's the one i want to talk about next but i'm going to try to go through the ones that i have for this section and see if i can get them up for you guys they'll be up on my twitter They'll be up on uh, Instagram and potentially YouTube as well. If you guys want to check out the uh, Realm of Unknown YouTube, I'm going to try to post a lot of these things on there. Maybe just make a big, long thing and just let you guys listen. Uh, but yeah, so that's Dr. Kirby and that whole little area. But I'm going to move on because they're, these next two... These next two are probably the more, like, the more prominent ones, I should say. The more like very unexplained events that happened to me here at, at Laurel Hill. And I guess I'll save the, I'll save the, like the real good one for the end. And I'm going to try to get the audio for that one. But the next thing that personally happened to me, this was during the first investigation back two years ago. And at this point, this was my first like, quote-unquote official paranormal investigation i've been to different spots before i've gone with friends before i've gone on tours i've visited places but i've never you know had an investigation i've never done it with a group i've never actually sat down i didn't go at night all that sort of like all the the kit and caboodle this was my first time ever doing it and at this point, I did know, again, that I, I I felt some sort of connection with all these sort of things. I was a bit more in-tuned in some way. And I I wasn't trying to play it up. I wasn't trying to, like, actively look or 
like experience things. I went into this investigation with the mindset of just just be there. Just be at this location, take it in, go for the ride, learn the ropes if you can, but just be here and and enjoy it and experience it. Just just be there. And I think with that mindset, I I I don't want to say like I opened up more, but I think I did in a way. And this was during one of the stops that we had, and it wasn't on the list of the more infamous locations that I read off on and gave a brief history about. This was a mass grave. So I know what you're thinking. It's not like a dark, like, oh my God type thing. This is just a grave of a lot of doctors, okay? I don't know all their names because there's a lot. And I'm this, again, two years ago. I'm not going to remember, but these doctors went to Virginia and participated in trying to help individuals who were dying from, I believe, the yellow fever. And at this time, you know, it was this was way back. This is way, way back in time. And all these doctors either died while down there or died shortly afterwards. And they were memorialized all together in this mass grave of doctors and a few nurses, I believe, as well. They're all volunteer workers trying to help individuals. So we sat down with the tour guides that we had at the time. And this was a much smaller group, I believe, including the guides, we had about seven people. Um... I think I was the only guy. To, no, there's one other guy. Um, our group's a lot of uh, is very female heavy. Uh, again, we were at Temple, so Temple's a very female centric school. Um, I don't know why that helped. Well, it just it will for the the recordings. Just so you know, I don't pop up a whole lot in those old ones. So if you're like, there's still a bunch of girls talking, and it's like, where's where's the guy I've been listening to? Uh, my voice pops up like four or five times in that first, uh, session, like that whole investigation. So yeah, um, that only goes into play for that part. Uh, but during this, uh, investigation and during this EVP session that we had, the mass grave, the way it's shaped is like a giant obelisk type thing. It's not like a perfect one. It's not like the link, uh, the Washington Memorial in DC or like an Egyptian one. It, it has like layers to it, but it has like a obelisk shape at the very top. So it's very big and we all set our phones down and like all, the people who had like EVP recorders, we all set them down on the grave itself. They were all, you know, close by. They're all lined up. I mean, lined up in within a few inches or so. Uh, We wanted to do it this way so that if noises were made, they would all relatively be close to one another. So there's no, like, you know, people talking further apart. You might hear it weird. If you're whispering, maybe, like, one picks it up and the other ones don't. So you're like, this was something... We wanted to rule out as many things as possible, and keeping them close by was a good way for us because, again, this is a very open... It's essentially like a massive park in the city, so noise is bouncing everywhere. If we could keep all the recorders relatively close together, that helps narrow down, you know, where certain noises are coming from and just kind of, like, rules out others that, you know, might pop up. So during this, um, I... 
I was standing on the north side of the tomb or the 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 grave, sorry, and the rest of the the team and everyone were all kind of like wrapped around it. No one was on the east side. I know I'm like giving directional stuff that might help, but it does for me at least for recounting these stories. Um, because we came up through, through, we came up from the south, and the team kind of like wrapped around the left hand side, so like the west side, and we just kind of like all wrapped around, and I just so happened to be on the north. And at this point, we're just going through the EVP session. We're talking. And I just feel, again, very off, very weird. So I just start walking around it very, very delicately because I don't want to make any noise. And I even pause for a moment to, like, address during the EVPs that, hey, I'm about to walk around. But it doesn't really pop up from what I can remember. And because of this, I'm walking around the, the big, it's a big obelisk. And, Cause again, it's a mass grave. It's a little bit raised off the ground. And I start walking from the North. I go around the right hand side towards where we came. And I step a little bit away from the, 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 the monument itself. It's all stone. I believe it's marble. And I take a few steps away and then I take a few steps closer. And then I take a few steps away and then I walk up to it. And then I wait for the EVP session to stop completely. And before we move on, before we do anything, I... Because, again, this I'm new to all this. I'm very nervous. I don't want to be like, oh, I'm showing off. Ha, ha, ha. Like, something's happened to me. Ha, ha. I didn't want to be like that, but I wanted to address it so that it was noted. The entire time we were at this grave specifically, because this was further into the investigation it was not the first one we went to i felt very very warm like a very comforting set of warm as if you were like wrapped into a blanket and you're just like nuzzled up very comfortably on the couch in that position that just feels so right i felt like that i just felt like that the closer i got to the the stone itself I could press like my hand against the stone and it felt relatively warm. I, I, I kid you not. I've never experienced this. I've never experienced it since because I didn't go back to that uh, grave itself uh, during the second investigation. So I couldn't check it out and then I couldn't find it when I went on personal trips, but it was just so weird. And granted, at this time, at the time of like, going on these investigations it's not a warm temperature especially during the first investigation we went like mid-november it was cold out we were in jackets uh i believe at the time of this one it was like the high 40s outside so it wasn't like freezing cold but it wasn't comfortably warm either and I was in like a lighter jacket. There was some, or not jacket, like sweatshirt type thing. I prefer sweatshirts. Believe me, if you see my wardrobe, I have like 20 sweatshirts. <laughs> um, but, you know, we're all like somewhat bundled up. We have like jeans and uh, sweatpants on. We're not, you know, we're not warm. None of us are really warm. You could see your breath during certain points of the night as it, as time passed on. So by all means, I shouldn't feel this level of warm. I didn't when I was going there. I didn't later on in the investigation. It was only during this moment 
around this specific grave with this specific stone. Because while I was walking around and I stepped further away from it, I got closer to other graves. I got closer to other mon—uh, not monoliths, uh, obelisks in that vicinity. And those didn't, I didn't feel warmer when I got closer. I, I felt warmer only closer to this specific mass grave obelisk. The, the mass grave with all the doctors and nurses, for some reason, I, to the touch, it felt warm, it felt comforting, and I don't know why. I addressed this to the group. I said, hey, guys, I, I don't know how to explain this. I've never, you know, this is my first time here. I just want to briefly mention the fact that I feel a weird sensation of warmth uh, the closer I get in proximity to this grave. When we were recording, I wanted to test it out, so I walked around a bit. And as I get up close to this thing, I feel just warm. Everything around me feels warm. I feel warm. Like it's not an internal type thing. It feels external. And they like you know they gave me a weird look. I was I was with some of like the 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 team leaders of the group. And again, we had two tour guides who were very experienced there. They all kind of gave me like a very puzzled look, and they were, and they believe me because you know we're all in this situation. But you know, a few of them tested it out. Some of them pressed their hands against the the stone. Unfortunately, we didn't have any way of like recording temperature. Obviously, you know, we could check our phones. We knew it was cold out. Uh, but we couldn't test the stone itself. And I've gone back. I've run through scenarios in my head, and I've talked to other individuals. being like, hey, you know, could you maybe explain this to me? And all the situations we've gone through were like, we can't understand why I would feel warm around that specific stone. In my, like, logical mind, I go to, like, oh, well, maybe you know, that area was warmed up, maybe, you know, it's a stone, maybe it somehow absorbed the heat and pertained it, but, like, it's it's late November, and we're there at, like, eight thirty, nine o'clock at this point, the sun's set, you know, around, like, six, there, these stones don't have enough time or heat to even, you know, absorb enough to feel warm, so there's no way that they're gonna feel warm after the sunset, hours after, you know, it's, it didn't make any sense. And then we try to think like, well, maybe there's a bunch of people around it. So maybe it heated it up then, but then it was just like, well, you, I never felt it during other sections of the tour. Maybe, you know, maybe it's my clothing. Maybe I'm just dressed warm again. It, it I felt colder in a car heading over. Like it didn't, it didn't add up. And I just pointed that out and it was just, it was very odd, and um, it started the trend of very odd things happening at Laurel Hill. And um, I this th- that night th- during the first first investigation uh, when this happened, the rest of that night went pretty good. It went very like you know average. Um, during a few moments, we did pause because we did at times feel as though you know someone was moving in the distance we felt as though we heard something out there and keep in mind this is a very big area it's like what it's quote unquote a wooded area essentially so that 
there's a lot of warnings of like, hey, watch out for groundhogs, watch out for, you know, smaller wildlife. So that could very easily explain the noise that we were hearing. Uh, so besides that, and besides like maybe hearing like a, like a whisper or two in the distance that we like pause to look for, nothing really came about. So we wrap that one up, we head back and we sit there We're the first group back. So we sit down and start going over our EVPs. So I'm on my phone. I have my headphones plugged in the volume, like maxed out and I get to one section. This was during, I believe, another one of the mass grave areas that we sat by. I During the first investigation, we sat by, I believe, three of them. Each one, one was like a family area. One was just the doctor one. And the other one, I believe, was for just like random patrons or something. Like they just kind of got like combined together. They all like went in on a plot or something. I'd have to go back and check. It wasn't like a famous spot. It wasn't have this like rich history around it or anything. So it didn't stand out. I wasn't expecting anything to pop up, especially on like my phone. I believe the phone that I had at that time was a 5S, the iPhone, uh, or 5C maybe. I forget which one it was. Uh, again, this was two years back, so it's a little older, and it, you know, it's just weird. It's an it's a phone. It doesn't have like the best recording, but it was decent enough. And again, we kept all of our phones lined up, all paired together. We're not far apart from one another, so the questions can all be heard very clearly on each other's phones. And I got something. I don't. It's not perfect. And I have to comb back through and, like, get that audio segment again. But it it was something. We, I listened to it. I listened to it, like, four or five times. And I was like, what is this? Like, this doesn't sound like a car. This doesn't sound like, a, like a, one of us talking because we're much louder. We're much more clear. And, like, it doesn't sound like anyone's whispering. It, it's We're too far inwards to be, like, weird sounds. It's not like a dog, it's not a plane, it's nothing distinguishable. And then I jack up the audio, and I, I listen harder, and I listen harder. And then, you know, I play it on repeat, I play it on repeat, and I'm listening, and I'm like, this sounds like someone's humming. And I was just like, whoa. Because, you know, it takes a moment, you like really listen in. I've never really listened to audio from EVP sections that I mean none that I recorded this was my again my first time and I was like what the hell because you know we're all listening and this was maybe like 20 minutes into listening through things and I'm like what the hell is this sound like it sounds like someone's trying to sing but like we were just out there and again there's only like like six or seven of us and none of us are singing none of us are making these sorts of sounds we're all quiet, we're asking questions, and we're talking clearly. So I, I pass it around to my friends, and I pass it around to, the, like, the team members, and then the the tour guides listened to it, and they were, like, everyone was like, this sounds like some sort of song or, like, melody. It sounds like we all agreed that it was some sort of tune. Some thought it was music. Some thought it was, like, someone singing in the distance. I personally believe it was someone humming. 
and a few others believe that too. Uh, one of the guys in the other groups listened to it, and she thought that it was whistling in the distance because it was very much, to me at least, um, it was very clear. Like it had a rhythm, it had like like a melody to it, and as you're listening to it, it's like da 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 da. Like it 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 uh, that's not what it was. Don't think that's what it was um i will post this somewhere uh, of the actual audio but it was about it was like that it was very short very brief and it but it had a structure and a melody as if someone was singing along to something to me it sounded like a female personally it was a much higher tone um but it just had that very like someone just walking along like very careless very just like in the moment type singing and it reminded me of how like sort of how like my sister would do it when she was younger and just like sing along to something is it felt like a younger woman of some sort to me and obviously again I'm no expert I don't know all this stuff uh but it, it was something that we picked up on and it was something that was very unique and I don't believe the other group didn't get a whole lot from what I can remember from this investigation, but for this EVP session, no one else got that audio. Like our devices are side by side, all right next to one another. We're all in the same location and all, I believe there was about five audio devices of different sorts, either phones or EVP recorders. Um, during this particular investigation and this exact EVP session, they're all right next to one another. They're like phone to phone on this grave and everyone's like standing still and asking questions. There's no reason as to why, like even if it was just a sound that was out there, like, my phone is not the best recorder and other people in the group had the same phone, like the same version phone. And so why didn't they pick up on it? Why did the, the phone next to me, which was a better newer version of the phone, get nothing of that during that like portion of our recording? Cause most of us have the same length. We all start at the same time, but my recording was the only one that picked up on this Da, 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 melody that you can hear very briefly in between two of the questions. It it had nothing to do with the questions that were being asked. Most of them were very direct and very brief. Uh, and none of them had to do with music. I don't believe any of the people we even visited on any of the locations involved music of any sort. So I have no idea where this came from, what it means what it pertains to, who it might have been, or what it was. Because again, I can't explain the sound to a, a sound that I would know or recognize. The closest thing I can equate it to is a sort of melody. And to me, that that attributes to more of like a person. It, it's more like a personal thing. So to me, those are like the big things with Laurel Hill. Um... During the second investigation, again, I felt more, uh, I guess more, like, I don't want to say energy type stuff. It was more, um, it was more of an experience rather than things happening. 
Uh, again, I felt very tired and weak with other individuals, even though like we didn't feel like a, a recognizable level of fatigue. During later sections of the investigation, we crossed over a bridge, and there were stories that people did see like entities on the bridge. It has a very eerie vibe. And believe me, it has an eerie vibe. I have never felt this, even in like places like, um, like Eastern State. I don't get this at all. I, like, I didn't even move on with the group for a section. Like they were meandering around close by, and they were going through another EVP session, and me and another one, like one or two people, just kind of like weren't part of it. We were just kind of like exploring that new section of the the cemetery, and I just went right back to the the bridge. It, it's not like a cross bridge. It's not like a like a cover bridge. It's just like a bridge that connects the two sections of the cemetery. And I just like, I just stared out over it, and I was just like, I can't shake this feeling of just like unease like and it wasn't again it wasn't threatening it wasn't like you know oh god there's something here it's just like what is this like why do i feel this way and why can't i recognize it why can't i shake it like what is this sensation that i'm feeling of just like i need to look out here i need to like continue to observe as if something will happen but i know it might not but like at the same time, I feel as like it should. It's just such a weird feeling that I don't. Again, I can't explain, and I can't attribute it to any other location that I've ever been to, like any normal place. I've never felt this with like eerie locations that I, like I have been to that either I know should be haunted or might be haunted. This is the only place, the only time because I've gone there other times. This is the only time that I was here at Laurel Hill. This was last November, uh, November of 2018. And the entire time I felt drained. I felt somewhat uneasy. I felt on edge at certain points. And I just don't know what it was or why it was. Um, but other people on the tour, again, they, they agreed in certain uh, sections of it. Certain people are like, yeah, I just feel, you know, really tired. I feel really drained. But, like, I took a nap before I came here. I ate. Like, I shouldn't feel this way. I just do. I don't know. Maybe it's they, – they would, like, play it off, some of them. Others, like, agreed with me. But they were like, I didn't want to mention anything either. But, yeah, like, I I feel kind of off. And I was like, yeah, like, it's off. Like, you're not – you don't feel bad, right? And they're like, yeah, I don't, I don't feel uncomfortable. I don't feel anything threatening in any way. But, like, I don't feel good either. And I was like, yeah, like, it's it's something weird. It's something, like, un, un, not, I don't want to say unnatural because, again, that just kind of makes it feel like, oh, it's this spooky, unexplainable thing. And it might be, for all I know. I don't know. But to me personally, like, I just, I can't explain it. I cannot explain why I felt this way this one time for about four hours. The moment I left this place, I felt, like, perfectly fine like snap of the finger perfectly fine i like the the second i crossed over from the gate of this location i felt you know fine like nothing happened i i I was comfortable again i had the energy again i felt away like it was just such a turn like flip of the dime 
and I don't know why, I don't know how to explain it, but Laurel Hill has given me that weird sensation. From the stories that I've looked into, I don't see any that have similar experiences. Again, some of the things the tour guides have mentioned, some of those stories that you may come across do entail individuals from specific graves, you know, like how I had with uh, Dr. Kirby. And a lot of the people that we've talked about uh, in the earlier sections of this, those are, you know, the graves that you would have some of these stories surrounded by uh, people hear disembodied voices and people talking, sort of how, like, you know, we got the recording of someone maybe humming in the distance. Um, keep in mind, though, uh, people do see figures and maybe potential shadows in the distance. But keep in mind, you're in a cemetery, and they, they do tell us this when you go in. Um, you're in a cemetery, and this happens, believe me, from personal experience. You have a lot of different shaped tombstones. Again, there's obelisks in the distance. It's a very, very hilly area. So things are at different heights, at different portions of the cemetery. They have trees. They have foliage. There's a lot there. So... It's so, so easy to mistake in a darker stone out in the distance as potentially maybe being someone out there. We definitely had that a few times, and we had to shine our flashlights out just to double check. Uh, I can attest for that. Uh, I can also attest for someone actually being there and getting that sensation and being freaked the hell out. Um, because during one of the EVP sessions on the second, uh, tour that we had, um, we, we sat down and we had a tour guide and I believe she was the groundskeeper also at the time. And we were there in our group, we're all sitting down, we're all recording and (laughs) most of our lights were off just so it gets dark. And like in the distance, you just see someone like not running, not, like, walking, but, like, a light jaunt, and they're just, like, moving through the tombstones, and I'm facing this person. Most people have their backs to, like, to the spot, but they start picking up on it, too, by, like, the noises and stuff. You can hear, like, the like the, the leaves crunching and, the, like, the twigs snapping underneath. It's so surreal. Um, it, it's a good ending, but, like, you're, I'm just, like, what the hell is happening? I'm, like, we just started like we've been here for two minutes what the hell like it's just this dark looming figure like coming at you in a cemetery and i'm like okay it's either nothing at all it is either a spirit of like some dark figure moving towards me who's like almost six feet tall um or it's an actual person in the cemetery and then i'm just like this is a huge cemetery. There could be anyone in here. And I'm like, oh God, like, is there just some dude running around here? Uh, Cause then like, you know, your mind starts racing and people are like, people start talking around. You're like, wait, do you hear that too? And they're like, yeah, I hear this. Like, then we're all looking over. Um, turns out our actual tour guide was late. <laughs> um, and he's, he's like, he, he even like joking. He's like, ah, you know, like I saw you guys sitting down. I didn't want to disturb you. So I went around and I'm like, what the hell? Like, like everyone agreed. We're like, dude, did not help at all. Like call out. We'll start over the EVP session. 
don't creepily walk in the distance around us and just like pop up during the session he like came up from behind and was just like you know yeah I, I saw you guys and I'm like oh my god I had a heart attack thinking okay I'm either insane or a spirit is coming at us full apparition style or some rando is just walking around while we're out and about like none of those situations are good <laughs> it was just it was a good way to like i guess break the tension and in the beginning because again we just started we literally walked from the gate to the spot sat down and this was like immediately um it was a good way to experience um you know like a, a jump scare without an actual jump scare happening um but yeah i a lot of i had a lot of fun at laurel hill and you know we had good times we had heart attack inducing times and uh we had a lot of weird supernaturally potential times uh but for the most part that's it uh again a lot of laurel hill and from my own experiences this resonates pretty well a lot of Laurel Hills experiences that you'll see there are not... Oh my god, the northbound train is going by real loud right now. Uh, a lot of the Laurel Hill experiences you'll get there, you're not going to get crazy over-the-top hauntings. From what I can find and what I can attest for, a lot of what you're going to see is very mundane uh, individual things, either specific ghosts or just spirits in general it's a large cemetery so you're gonna hear some maybe some voices some whispers maybe see some movement out and about maybe an orb here or there in your photograph but nothing crazy because laurel hill is a really chill spot and i feel like a lot of the spirits are like that as well if they are there i feel like they're pretty relaxed i would be too if i was buried there uh, but if you ever are in Philadelphia and you ever do want to check out a location that might be haunted, Laurel Hill Cemetery is just right outside. Like, you're right there in the city. It's about a mile or so out from the, like, prime location of the city itself. And they have a website. You can, you know, get tours. They have a lot of events. And go experience it for yourself if you're here. Check it out. But that's all we have for today. I It's a very unorthodox video, or not video, I'm still used to recording for YouTube. Uh, very unorthodox uh, podcast. So I hope you guys enjoy, though. And if you want to learn more about Laurel Hill, or you want me to maybe revisit the topic, if you have your own personal stories, I record on Anchor. So if you are somehow this far into the episode, I doubt a lot of you are because I rambled on for a while. If you are this far and you want to, you know, talk about your own personal stories, you can send me a voice memo here on Anchor and I can actually put it into future episodes if you do approve. So maybe we can get something going on that. But again, for the most part, we're done uh, for that whole story. I hope you guys enjoyed. I hope you guys, you know, want to check out more. And if you want to visit a lot of the more like post material that I will be uploading, you can check it out on Twitter and Instagram, as well as YouTube in the further future, all at Realm of Unknown. Uh, you can get me at, I believe, Realm of Unknown on Twitter. Maybe have may have underscores in it, but don't quote me on that because I don't know all my handles really well. But Realm of Unknown, 
It has my logo on it. So you can get me on Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube to check me out there. And if you have your own stories and you want to listen to some stuff uh, that for me to uh, read over, you can email me at realmofunknown at gmail.com. And if you guys want to listen to more episodes and stay in tune for future ones, you can check us out here on Anchor or I- Apple iTunes, Spotify, pretty much everywhere now because Anchor's been so awesome with helping me get things uploaded. So I'm pretty much everywhere. Podbean, uh, Breaker, oh God, there's a few. But check me out. So <laughs> I'm going to sign off because I'm rambling. I hope you guys are having a great week so far. And until the next episode, I shall see you guys. And I hope you guys all remain very happy (laughs) and enjoying the springtime. So don't forget to be spooky.